Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. When it comes to marketing products in the natural channel, it seems like there are as many strategies as there are products. But just like how not all products resonate well with consumers, not all marketing strategies do either. Unfortunately, in the moment, it can be difficult for entrepreneurs to determine the best approaches for promoting their brands, especially when they compare their strategies and progress to those of competitors or products in other categories. At Natural Products Expo West in California this month, several major marketing trends stood out, such as promoting clean labels and using free-from claims, and even plastering packages with a plethora of certification seals and badges that really cover the gamut. Walking the floor, it's also hard not to bump into bloggers, social media influencers, and even few low-level celebrities who are there to promote brands, which really underscores the growing marketing power that these groups have. But how effective are these strategies at setting brands apart from the pack, especially if ostensibly everyone is using them. To find out, I sat down with Jeff Hilton, who is the chief marketing officer and co-founder of Brandhive, a company dedicated to helping launch, promote, and revitalize brands promoting health and wellness. We kicked off our conversation by taking first a close look at the clean label trend, which began several years ago as a movement to simplify products and remove unnecessary or undesirable ingredients such as artificial colors and flavors. But over time, this trend has grown to include so much more, and it continues to evolve so that industry is now on the cusp of what Jeff calls Clean Label 2.0. I think the point we're at is that consumers are interested in in what we call clean, what they would call uh, simple, uh, renewable, uh, more uh, visible, uh, transparent. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know they want to feel more comfortable with what's in the food supplements they're consuming, <clears throat> and that's where I think that consumers at. I think what's brought us there has been kind of a kind of a perfect storm of opportunity. You know, you've got a consumer who is increasingly uh, wired, if you will, connected, informed, and find anything they want online if they're willing to hunt and spend some time. You have a uh, consumer who is um, more skeptical and more smarter generally, and you have a consumer who is more active. You know, millennials, of course, are driving the active trend, but boomers and seniors are increasingly active. They're getting peer pressure to be healthier. I mean, the movement, at least here in the U.S., is very strongly toward, you know, living a healthier lifestyle, and that's why we see all the categories booming at this point in time. But what I think that's happened, the, oh, the other thing I think is just that consumers are increasingly uh, able to assess their own health and wellness. I mean, you know, we've got devices, the wearables that allow us to measure heart rate and sleep patterns and how many steps we took today at the show. And we can send away for a DNA sample from 23andMe analysis. So you've got really this consumer who's much more aware and able to assess their own health. So all these things combine, in my mind, to, to present a, what I call consumer 2.0, which is really consumer who is really engaged and really informed 
but totally confused and overwhelmed. The consumer at this point, as a result of all this stuff and a little bit of confusion, is moving back to what they know, and that is simple, less than, not a bunch of stuff I don't recognize. Um, Hartman Research recently coined a phrase I love, which is made only from kitchen ingredients. You know, and that's just that, that, this there, not mine. But I thought it was kind of fun. You know, and the point is they're 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 describing it in their words. <clears throat> and what I think we as marketers have to do is listen to consumers more in terms of how they're talking about it, and to turn that into marketing language that isn't our words but their words. Because I've never been in a folks group and had a consumer say, "Gee, I wish I could find a vertically integrated supplement." You know, I mean, they, they don't they don't know what that is. But if you ask them about, I want to know that what you say is in here is what's in here. That's what they say, and that's the message back to the consumer has to be: here's how we can promise you that what we say is in here at this potency is here. Um, not we're we're you know we have a sustainable supply chain. You know, the consumer doesn't get all that. We as marketers have to translate the consumer's language and needs into what our products can deliver on. And that's where the connection happens. And that's the connection I don't think is totally happening at this point. So what language are consumers using that marketers should be taking their cues from? Well, Jeff suggests the free from movement, which is a sub-trend of the clean label movement, is a good example of marketers listening to how consumers speak and incorporating that language into their marketing materials. Similarly, consumers say they want products made from ingredients that they would see in their kitchens at home. You know, when you look at the trend in just in, even in superfoods, I think part of the reason superfoods are popular is because consumers trust it's a fruit and they know it and they know a fruit. And so acai might not be a fruit they know, but they know what fruits do and they have positive baggage that comes along with that. I think half of it is just the fact that some of these naturally functional ingredients, consumers are comfortable because it's in their world, you know, they, they, they understand it. So I think consumers talk about, um, <clears throat> I think organic in terms of pesticides and herbicides has some meaning, but I think a lot of consumers get confused between organic and non-GMO. They think they're the same thing, that one is the other, and that's not, of course not true. But I think that organic is a word that at least the consumers means healthy. I think that paleo and words like um, uh, gluten-free, I don't think consumers who eat gluten-free, I think half of them don't have gluten sensitivity, but I think they feel they're doing something to eat better and consume better. And I think that that's the ultimate goal. So those are the kinds of things I think you hear. I mean, obviously, low-fat, less sugar, less salt all the things that we know. I mean, consumers do say, I mean, sugar's the villain of the day, and now healthy fats are, are okay, and consumers can't really keep up with all that. But those are the kind of things that consumers say. This focus on the ingredient deck is what Jeff calls Clean 1.0. And while these demands are not going away, they're quickly dissolving as points of differentiation from a marketing perspective and becoming attributes that are simply expected, especially by millennials and younger generations. And as this happens, Jeff says a clean 2.0 is emerging.
I think there is a clean 2.0. I think that, um, I mean, to me, there's, there's the ingredient deck, and that's kind of where we're at right now. I would call that uh, 1.0 clean. But I think 2.0 clean is going to have much more to do with the process leading up to the sourcing behind the label. So you've got the label and the simplicity, and I think consumers are, antennas are up on that. But I think the whole story of, 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 of fair labor, uh, fair trade, um, you know, coffee companies have obviously made headway there. But I think deeper on the sourcing, I think, is what Clean Point 2, 2.0 looks like. It's more of that story of how we source, where we source. Uh, you can check out the source for yourself. You, know, you see Gaia Herbs, who do a great job of making that very transparent. And I think it's that increased transparency and and then also the renewable resource angle of things, you know. Um, we have an interesting new client we're working with that has a product that is, that is generated from a, uh, a renewable natural resource. And I think that's going to be a powerful story in the coming decades. And I don't think consumers are as plugged into that now. That's where I think the story is going to go. As consumer marketing demands evolve, Jeff says, too, must manufacturers' techniques for delivering that information. He says that marketers can't simply tell consumers what to believe and expect them to blindly follow. Instead, they need to forge a stronger connection with consumers to the point that they will actually advocate for the brand. The, the, the paradigm has shifted, really. Consumers are getting increasingly in their information from uh, user-generated content, I call it. You know, uh, it's, it's things they read from peers and other people is really what they're relying on. We did some research recently for a client, and the research was proprietary, but I can tell you that when we ask people where they go to find out information about supplements, the number one rated place was Amazon. And they go to read the Amazon reviews. <clears throat> They go, even if they're not going to buy on Amazon, they go, first of all, to Amazon because they want independent reviews. They want third-party assessment of this product or that product. They don't necessarily want to go to your site and read about it because they don't trust you, brand, but they'll go to Amazon right off the bat. So it just tells you that people are hungry for that information, that the manufacturers aren't making that connection of trust so the consumers will come to them, their website, to buy the products or the, the stores they distribute in. If they don't make that connection, then consumers are going to go someplace else. He further explained how the trust that consumers place in their friends can be transferred to brands when someone they know makes a recommendation. When, when a friend refers a brand to me or posts something about a brand, it's, it's kind of that third-party endorsement, if you will. I mean, I trust what my friends, if I have a friend who says to me, I tried this probiotic and it really made a difference, or I tried this uh, uh, the product and, you know, sports nutrition uh, product and it was terrific, this protein powder, I, I, I take that with added value because they have no vested interest. I mean, they're a friend of mine. I, I heard, heard once somebody say that it's more important that you're, when you're on Facebook as a company, a brand, it's more important that someone shares you than that they like you. Liking you is whatever, but when they share you, share a post, share something about you, that's the, that's the, uh, the goal, the pot of gold, if you will, because that implies an endorsement from a third party. And so I think user-generated content is what it's all about. I mean, people want to hear what people are doing that don't have a vested interest in the brand 
you know, somebody asked me yesterday about spokespeople, and they said, well, do medical spokespeople have a role in brands or, or spokespeople generally? And I said, well, they have a role if, if they have relevance and if they have a reason to be associated with the product. But if they're a paid show, the consumers figure that out these days. And they'll be schools. If they're on the payroll, I mean, I'll figure that out. I'm not stupid. So I said, you have to be careful because you have to bring credibility to the brand. It's not a matter of just hired guns. So I think that's the sense of doing it, too. Tapping bloggers and micro-influencers also allows companies to more easily position products to meet the specific needs of different subpopulations, which Jeff says is critical for gaining mass market appeal. You can't just take one product and say, it's for everybody, what do you think? It does all these things. Because millennials will use the same product for a different reason. You know, a boomer might use an energy supplement to stay awake during afternoon meetings, me, and then you have a millennial who will use it to stay up on studying for an exam or to just do an online gaming session with their buddies. So same ingredient, completely different usage. You know, vision, the same thing. You know, I'm aging. I need help support for my eyes. They just want to be able to stare at the screen all night and not get eye fatigue. So it, the point is that the, the, they, they have needs that are different and same ingredients can serve different needs for different audiences. So increasingly, our clients will even turn into micro-market, match a product with a particular audience segment and not try and just appeal to everybody. I think you fall in the cracks nowadays when you try and talk to everybody because you don't talk to anybody when you adopt that voice. So I think it's really important to, to micro-market. And to me, segmentation is the name of the game today. It's matching that product with that audience. You know, and there's 80 million millennials. It's not like there's just a handful. I mean, it's almost 80 million. I mean, there's a lot, you know. It's a, it's a big market. It's not like it's a tiny niche. Finally, we talked about another marketing trend that is so pervasive that it's hard to ignore, but also hard to judge in terms of efficacy. And that's certifications and all those tiny icons that come with them that often line the front and sides of product packages. There's worth in them, but but putting 20 symbols on your website, I think I think the brands are smarter to use fewer certifications and educate about what they mean or what they are. You know, I mean, the, the truth is that non-GMO uh, is the most popular. Uh, certification probably out there, but you ask consumers, and I think New Hope's recent study said that they out of 10 don't even know what it means. You know, I mean, uh, Jimmy Kimmel did a thing where he interviewed people and said, do you want GMOs? And, no, that's terrible. Those are awful. What, what is a GMO? Uh, you know, so you get that whole idea that I think people uh, tend to just... Uh, I think the symbols have limited value unless you illustrate what that means. As to me as a consumer, in other words, you're organic. Okay, so what? Well, here's our farming practices. Here's what we do. And we, you know, we generate the soil, blah, 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 blah. The herbs we take out, and here's what we give back. And I think that's what's meaningful. The fact that you have a symbol, I don't think means anything unless you, unless you teach about it. So these companies that put the 9, 10 badges me that's just a, to a consumer it's just like look what even organic you know there's not a huge understanding of what organic other than pesticides herbicides there's not a there's lots of organic has lots to offer beyond that but 
Most people don't know that. So even the most common of the USC organic, the most common symbol of all the hundreds, is barely understood. You know, more in certain sectors. So that's kind of my answer. They have, I, I would focus on fewer and educate about them if I were a brand, not collect them like badges. So does that mean flipping the package over and putting a sentence or two there, or is that done online, or through the micro-influencers? Where is there space for that? I think it's done on social, and I think it's done on the website. Um, I don't think it has to be done on the packaging, because hopefully by the time people come there, they uh, have done other homework, or they can do other homework. But I think the website's a great place to do that. Our certification, drop-down menu. You know, USC Organic, blah, 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 you click on one, oh, here's that story. Oh, you know, I think brands need to do that. They need to educate. Ultimately, Jeff says that the key takeaway from all of these marketing trends is that manufacturers cannot become stuck in how they communicate with consumers. The consumer is constantly evolving, and so too must the messages that manufacturers present and the way they tell their stories. And with that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I want to thank you all for listening and hope you'll tune in again next week. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.